Welcome to episode 43 of the Fight for Together podcast. Today we are going to talk about a specific kind of bravery and how to ignore people, the news, and answer your questions. Can I say something? Let's do this. You're listening to the Fight for Together podcast. Okay, first of all, we got to mix a little personal stuff in here because I've had a hell of a day. I went to the... Are the kids running around on cars upstairs? give Flea that memo to... I'll do that real quick. (laughs) I gave everyone that memo except for her. Okay, well, I'll tell you guys about my story (laughs) while Cammy's up there. So today, I had a crazy toothache yesterday and it woke me up in the middle of the night and then cammy scheduled a dentist appointment for me so i go to the dentist today because i think i had a crown on it so i was like oh they're just gonna like put a new crown on or fix it or something but they say oh we have to remove the whole tooth and then they were like do you want to come back and do it because if it's infected which is why it hurts so bad which i guess they could tell from the x-ray then you aren't going to, the pain, like the numbing stuff's not going to work when it's infected. So then you're going to feel the whole thing. Or you can come back after you take antibiotics. So I'm like, fuck antibiotics. So let's just do it right now. So they're right on the spot. They numb me and they just like destroy this too. With drills or yeah, You said drills the numbing and, doesn't work when it's, there's an infection? That's what they said. They said that's what I should be prepared for. Oh, dang. So but, you thought maybe you would feel everything? Yeah, well, here's the thing. If 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 they gave me the numbing stuff and then it didn't work, then I had to come back, right? Mm-hmm. If they find out. But what if I don't tell them? What if it hurts, but I'm just like... Arr. Is that what happened? No. Oh. It okay. did work. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, how, they can't know if it hurts, if I can if fake it. If you could... If you could actually hold in that, yeah, the pain, yeah, you think you could? I don't know. I like to pretend. I'm <laughs> so can, can you can you paint a picture? So I got my tooth out today, yeah. and I took Advil, and I'm not supposed to eat anything, so I can't smoke tonight. And Cam already smoked a cigar and got sick. Oh, just a little. And I can't drink beer or anything carbonated. Oh, and really? You can't drink anything carbonated? for like three days or something. Oh. So you want to describe what this thing looks like for because it's okay. it's it's radio world, ah, a dark ah. chasm. I can't really see very well. Ah. <laughs> Ew. Ah. It's like okay. Why is it black? That's like a blood clot, I think. Okay, lovely. Okay. Okay, but do we sit around here making excuses? No. But I did want to get a little bit of sympathy from you, although it's not very professional. And I'm going to pour myself some sangria, which I'm allowed to drink because it's not carbonated. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, that stuff is gross. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> comments first from last week's podcast. Okay. Um, can you read yes, this? Yes, this is from... <clears throat> Denali 
Throughout this engaging podcast, I kept hearing Richard Rohr's quote, I'd rather have a relationship than be right, unquote. You are raising points, particularly on parenting, which I rarely hear talked about or practiced. I have come to embrace and practice these things later in life, but man, I wish I could have known a lot of this when my kids were young. Known is probably the wrong word because a lot of this is caught and not taught. Our culture today is so focused on tips and tricks to cope with problems. It misses the beauty and power of simply entering more fully into relationship with our kids. Getting into their heart and mind instead of demanding them conform to ours. Good stuff. Hmm. And then in addition to that comment, Robin says, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just news is probably not the best. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, yeah, funny because we actually know Robin in real life. Well, so I can picture her saying that. Who the heck is airdropping this stuff to me in the middle of this? Looks like Eden. Stop airdropping stuff to me! <laughs> um, okay. And both these people, do you know what both these people have in common? I do not. They both have donated to the chair fund. Oh, so we're going to pay heed to Oh, yeah. Words. If you donate to the chair fund, <laughs> we read your comment. End of story. Um, yeah. We can be bought. Yeah. Was there anything else you want, you want to say about either of these? Or should we I th- well, it's cool that he, at first he was kind of like, oh, man, I wish I would have known this stuff. But then he realized that it... If this isn't something necessarily that you just like tell someone it's something that kind of it's like a different way of relating so it's caught and not taught that was interesting plus i've come to believe the sentiment of i wish blank dot 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 anything yeah. of the past is actually it sounds nice mm-hmm. but regret is never helpful like any type of dwelling on the past like that. My question is, what does it have to do with you today? Yeah. So some things people can do today. One is you could apologize to your kids for the past, but that's today. Yeah. Um, the other is you can change. It's like never too late to change. In fact, a lot of times people, they get so fixated on, oh, I wish I would have done that differently that they they almost let that be a, an excuse to not change today i think like subconsciously mm-hmm. i don't know if there's if there's a person alive that this doesn't apply to that there's things now they could be in denial thinking that you know they were great and everything but when you when you start out parenting whether you're 20 or whether you're 40 you just don't there's so many things that you just learn while parenting or years after parenting while grandparenting or whatever or while being parents to adult children um so i i just don't think i think because i was even having this moment today where i was kind of also lamenting to myself thinking oh man rainier i listened to him so much more and care more about his feelings than I did my other five at this age. I and, feel the same way. And that's true. That's true. And But I, I don't want... There's something about, like, 
not understanding that there was no other way for me. Well, yeah, it's like in blackjack when we played in the casino, there was two types of information that we had to become wizards at being able to distinguish between. There was actionable information and there was inactionable information mm-hmm. and 99% of the information was inactionable mm-hmm. like there's nothing you could do about it like yeah. for example there was times when I walked into a casino and I would lose like $20,000 and I would think if I would have walked in the casino literally 10 seconds later if I would have stopped to tie my shoe all of the cards would have come out differently and the entire night would have been different it's like back to the future shit. Mm-hmm. You know, like you mess with one thing and it sets off this change reaction. And losing $10,000 is really the difference between one card. But that's completely inactionable information because what am I going to do next time? Stop and tie my shoe? Mm-hmm. Like that's just voodoo bullshit. Well, and it's, I think it would drive you insane if you focus too much on that. Yeah, because, well, there's nothing you can do for the future. It's all trying mm-hmm. to make sense of the past and all that. It may or may not be true, but it just doesn't matter. Yeah. The point is, like, to become a professional gambler, you have to understand what is the math for the future and how does the past affect the future. And there's very little to focus on there. But Mm -hmm. the the crazy gamblers, the ones that lose, they focus on all sorts of weird patterns and observations from the past that have actually nothing to do with the future. Yeah. I guess a cool a cool way to look at it too. I mean, I think it's like good to process through your emotions but not to get stuck i think that in the inactionable like i can't i can't i can't rewind time with my kids so but i think it's cool to just actually think of it in the terms of it's actually a miracle that i'm where i'm at today given how i was raised the environment and the tool, even the tools we had, you know, for most of our parenting, like we're pretty, I don't know. It's a miracle that I, that I'm the parent I am today, I think. Okay. I'm ready to move on. Yep. Okay. Uh, next little comment thingy, which is kind of fun. We, we don't talk about this stuff much, but we have two new reviews on huh. iTunes podcasts. Two five-star reviews, might, wow. I, might I tell nice. you. Thank you. Okay. One is a five-star review, and you get to choose a little headline, and all the headline says is, fascinating. (laughs) And it says, I find your family mission so fascinating. I don't know what our mission is, but always an interesting listening (laughs) and watching experience. Great. Uh Thank you. That's cool. This next one is five-star review, and the headline simply says, (laughs) Cammy. I admire Cammie so much for her patience and understanding. I watch religiously on YouTube. Ben has given me great ideas to help mold our family business into a more stable environment. But Cammie totally resonates with my brain. I feel lucky to have a window to her insights. Thank you. That's That's nice. She's definitely pumping you up, but she she tosses me a little bone. She gave you a nod. A nod to Ben. That's um, really cool. Five-star reviews. We have, mm-hmm. I guess, a total of 19 reviews. And it's really fascinating because it'll tie into today's topic. But I think we have like 10 or maybe, I don't know. I, I can't really tell. But let's just say it's like 15 five-star reviews. <laughs> and then we have like two 
two star reviews and two one star reviews but those people they didn't type anything they just left the star they're just like fuck you assholes but we don't have any four star or no three stars it's all five or oh, that is kind of or fascinating. it might even be just one i i think we have a few twos though mm-hmm. so we're gonna be talking about that they're like these people are at least trying so um, <laughs> we'll give them two. they're trying not to suck <laughs> okay today's topic is something what we do sometimes is I'm reading this book, and I think I've shared excerpts from this person before, but his name is Seth Godin. The book I'm reading is called This Is Marketing, and there's this thing that really struck me. So I'm going to do some of these readings, and I just want to share what our thoughts are on this topic and and how I think this could impact some of you out there. But before we do that, we're going to go to an ad break. Okay, today's topic... um, is called a specific kind of bravery and i want to just read some of these excerpts from this book so this is a marketing book but you know those there's these people on the planet that they just see things a little bit differently (laughs) you know what i'm talking about yeah 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 okay okay just checking you're looking at me like that was a perfect um opportunity for you to be like oh yeah well i didn't want to state the obvious state it you oh thank you (laughs) um he's one of these people to me that he talks about a very simple thing like paying for something or beats headphones and i'm like wow that's a different way to see that so he has this kind of section and this is from page 31 it says the relentless pursuit of mass will make you boring And he's talking about mass, like mass appeal or mass population. Because mass means average. It means the center of the curve. It requires you to offend no one and satisfy everyone. It will lead to compromises and generalizations. So So if you're a nice guy, you're boring. Yeah. (laughs) Basically, everyone's going to kind of like you. No one will love you. You won't stand out. But the really nice thing is no one will hate you. Yeah. Now, what I want to talk about is in in regards to, um, I don't know how to really say this. For us, it would be creating art or communication. Like, our vlog is the easiest example of this. When we first started our vlog um, four years ago, it was really hard to know what to talk about and what to focus on. And there was this pressure to kind of appeal to the masses. And I wouldn't have called it that. I mean, we're not like saying, okay, I'm going to go and appeal to the masses today. But I really don't want to piss some people off. And I knew there were certain topics I knew that we believed or that things that we had done that if we talked on the vlog, we would just really get torn apart. Mm -hmm. So... It lends itself to kind of like playing it safe. Yeah. Is at least, and this is what's so fascinating about what this guy Seth is saying. It feels like you're playing it safe because you're like, well, I'm not going to say talk about those topics. But then you're also not being real. Correct. But yeah. who cares? I mean, who really cares about being real, anyways? In a way. There's a cost to that too. Yeah, well, that's what we're going to get into. So this is what he then goes on to call a specific kind of bravery. So he says, specific means accountable. 
It worked or it didn't. It matched or it didn't. It spread or it didn't. Are you hiding behind everyone or anyone? You'll never be able to serve everyone, which is comforting, since you're less likely to be disappointed when it doesn't happen. So this is something I feel like we had to kind of accept with mm-hmm. the vlog. But also there's a whole nether angle on this, which is just the relationships in our life. Mm-hmm. Where we were in a certain, more of a faith community tribe of, of people. And after a while, our beliefs started to change. Mm-hmm. And there was some of these beliefs that we had that would have been so much more convenient to keep either private or secret and just not talk about it because it felt like by sharing these things, we were like driving these people away or, you know, they could get angry or shocked or disappointed in us. And I kind of felt like, well, wouldn't it be nice if we could be friends with everyone? I mean, who wants enemies? Mm-hmm. Like I didn't want to piss anyone off. Yeah. But what he says here is you're never going to be able to serve everyone. And the only caveat I would say with this is if you're going to be real. You can kind of try and serve everyone, but mm-hmm. it's going to make you really thin and really kind of fake if you're going to try and placate everyone. Also, if you do try to serve everyone and there's bound to have people that you still piss off, and I think like that you're even going to be even more disillusioned by that because i i'm just thinking about myself um for most of my life up until probably two or three years ago i feel like i was in i had that that was my goal to i wanted people to like me i didn't want to piss anyone off and so so that usually worked but every once in a while, it didn't work. And when it didn't work, I was shocked. Because I was like, because I think I worked so hard to be that person. So that when it didn't work, I was just like, why Why is this not working? Why, why is what I'm doing working for 99% of people, but this one person? So I didn't really know how to handle that. Yeah. And then I changed quite a bit. And started to just accept that that I didn't even really want to live that way anymore, for one. And then then we started pissing people off all over the place. And now I'm just like, I'm kind of used to it now. I'm just like, it's going to happen. And maybe it's not always bad. Yeah. And I think, you know, for me, I'm more used to it. Mm-hmm. I'm not all the way used to it. But I at least don't oppose the idea of pissing some people off. Yeah, I wouldn't say I'm like used used to it, but because it's still hard, and that's it why is. this section so it's called a specific kind of bravery because I think it does require bravery. Because what Seth Godin is saying is, in a way, you have to identify those people and choose them and say, "I'm going to serve that group," but by serving them, by definition, there's going to be other people that aren't the focus of that, mm-hmm. and they're going to feel left out or could be angry. Um, I want to give a a few examples of just like our videos because that's kind of the most public expression of our belief system right now. Mm -hmm. And actually the most current one was you made a video. So our channel is called Fight for Together, obviously. And there's a pretty heavy emphasis on relationships and family. 
but you um made this video called we we titled it is god a woman mm-hmm. and released it this week and it was just you sharing this your wrestling with this belief that you used to have which is god is strictly a man or masculine masculine yeah to this evolution which is oh you're not so confident or sure anymore a if he's a man b if it matters and also i think it was damaging to my sense of value as a woman thinking that the the being that made me was only masculine and there wasn't any femininity so this impacts your life it impacts the way we raise our daughters and the way we see men's and women's roles in our house, especially growing yeah. up. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's impacting how we change. So we decide this is relevant to us, and we yeah. put it out there. And it gets less than average views. Like, an average, you might get 5,000. it's kind of like a, a niche. It's And it's also religious-ish. I mean, it wasn't, like, Christianity. But we were, I was talking about, like, God. Yeah. And we so. get a fair number of people that say, like, I'm unsubscribing because of this. Yeah. And a lot of people don't watch it, and a lot of people unsubscribe. Yeah. And from one perspective, that makes it really hard to keep on putting videos like that out. But from another perspective, I would say you had more comments. Mm -hmm. And there's actually another example this week also. But you had more comments with people saying, thank you, Cami. Mm -hmm. I needed to hear that. Mm -hmm. So I think bravery for us is saying, maybe those are the people that we should be targeting or speaking to or putting our energy towards instead of, I mean, there is a way to say, okay, Oh no, we don't want those people to leave. So let's not put videos like this out. Yeah. Let's put videos that are more generic. Another example was we released this video this week, which was uh, you and I working through kind of a father's day fight. Mm -hmm. And it, it or felt pat, really yeah, weird pass. for me to make because I just don't see videos like this on YouTube. They're, they're pretty like, it's kind of Cammy and I just talking almost like this, mm-hmm. not rehearsed, but we're like working through this pain and this confusion. And it's not like really dramatic. It's just pretty like humdrum for us, mm-hmm. but it's stuff that represents a lot of work that we've put into our relationship. And once again, I think we got fewer views Mm-hmm. But we had so many people say, yes, this is why I'm here. This is what I want. This is what I can't get anywhere else. Yeah. And for me, it takes courage to say, okay, let's focus on those people. And if we lose half our subscribers or get half as many views or half as much money mm-hmm. in the meantime, like that's okay because the people that are really going to – listen to it two things happen one is we actually are being ourselves which means as long as we continue to be ourselves we'll continue to to help those people yeah and the second is those people when they hear something like that i have a feeling they're in like Mm -hmm. you know we're actually providing a unique service to them yeah yeah and i think people most often probably people who unsubscribe because of one video i know there can be exceptions to this but usually they're like not really in it anyways they're kind of just like drive by and then like it just took a tiny bit to kind of push them out the door 
So it's like, why are we focusing on those people anyways? Okay, next paragraph. Everything gets easier when you walk away from the hubris of everyone. Your work is not for everyone. It's only for those who signed up for the journey. Until we start marketing to the masses, when we seek to serve the largest possible audience, that audience will turn us down. The course of no will become deafening, and the feedback may be direct, personal, and specific. In the face of so much rejection, it's easy to stand off the edges and fit in. Fit in all the ways. Fit in more than anyone else. Hmm. So, yeah, there's just this, like, he uses this phrase, everyone. You know, there's this temptation to try and please everyone, which I like how you said it because earlier on, it's just impossible, first of all. I mean, there's no such thing as everyone. Yeah. Not everyone has the same taste. Some people like red. Some people like blue. Some people like new things. Some people like old things. Some people love us talking about theology. Some people hate it. Mm -hmm. Some people love us talking about a fight. Some people are so bored and put off by that. Mm -hmm. So if we're going to make a video that appeals to everyone... It's going to be such watered-down bullshit that it'll be so, like, you know, average. I'm going to have to go put a little person back to bed. Can you do that on the quick side? Um, Of course. No, I was going to read 10 stories and... (laughs) Well, you know, that's, that's how it feels sometimes, actually. I'll try and keep you guys busy while Cammy's away. Um, yeah, so it is easy to, you know, this last line he says, it's easy to sand off the edges and fit in, fit in all the way. Um, you know, it's, it's really hard. And growing up in the church, for me specifically, I know one thing is that, I never felt like what I really believed or was interested in or passionate about on the deepest level or was experiencing what that it matched what other people were like on the outside, um, which made it really difficult to accept my message. Because just as an example, the message of the church and a lot of people, even like vlogging, is very positive. It's like hey, we're doing a fun prank or we're going to Disneyland or we're opening up our new cool prize. And, you know, those are cool things. But a lot of my day, a lot of our life, a lot of our family points have been most known for the difficulty um, and the failure, the feelings of failure, the feelings of entrapment or depression um, and shame. And we don't get a lot of um, motivation or praise from talking about those things from the masses because we find out why most people do talk about the positive things on YouTube and in the church. But the more that we've focused on the real stuff for us, the more other people have said, hey, your life actually sounds a lot more like mine than some of these other places I'm going. All right, I think Cammy is like reading him an entire book or two up there. Um, 
I'm going to read this side point from the book. It's on page 35, and it says, Loving you is a way of expressing themselves. Becoming part of your movement is an expression of who they are. Are you coming down? Um, I'm going to read this one more time. Loving you is a way of expressing themselves. Becoming part of your movement is an expression of who they are. What I think, what I take away from this is when we are brave, it actually helps other people. Um, mm -hmm. And there's two main ways I've seen this. One is when we were hiking the Appalachian Trail. Mm -hmm. It was so weird to me that people would drive hours to bring us food. Yeah. At first it was weird because I was like, yeah. what the heck? Like, you must really love this trail or it's not like you want to be famous because we're not going to put you on videos. But I, what I think was happening for a lot of people <clears throat> was people are excited about family. And they, deep down, believe that families should be able to do something difficult like the Appalachian Trail together. People mm -hmm. saw that and they're like, there's something right about that. You know, I don't think kids should yeah. just be on iPads safe at home. And they wanted to be a part of that because mm -hmm. they got behind our expression of that truth. And they were like, I want to support that and I want to feel that and be closer to that. Mm -hmm. So when people, and I had to work through this because I kind of felt guilty for even letting people, because people would say, can I bring you a meal? And I almost wanted to say for them, that's too far for you to drive. Yeah. But then I'm telling them, oh, this isn't worth it for you. And they're saying it is worth it for them. Yeah. So I'd right. like figure out why is this worth it for you? And what I concluded was. Or, or not even we don't even have to figure it out. Like if they're choosing it, then let them. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. But when you're hiking for 2,200 yeah, miles, you, you have, have a time lot. to think about. <laughs> and after like, after the, the 10th person, you're like, what? Yeah. It was such a pattern mm -hmm. that it was like, yeah. you know, there's some, these people are getting something out of it too. And we were providing that by kind of being a beacon, but there was also people that hated what we were doing. I mean, so many people came out and said, this is the dumbest thing ever. This is mm -hmm. reckless. Yep, um, that's true. Okay, this is the final thing I'm going to read. And it's this section is titled, It's Not For You. It's Not For You shows the ability to respect someone enough that you're not going to waste their time, pander to them, or insist that they change their beliefs. It shows respect for those you seek to serve to say to them, I made this for you, not for the other folks, but for you. This is a tough one for me because I really do want to be inclusive, meaning I would like for everyone to have access to our message, but I have accepted the simple pragmatic truth that sometimes you do have to choose. Yeah. I'm going to give one example. Um, so we released a video about our stance on vaccinations about a month ago. and Or just our story, not even... A huge stance well it talked about our mindset of the medical community yeah that's true. with the experience we've had and the experience we've heard from a lot of other people mm -hmm. and some fascinating things happened because mm -hmm. the the truth is we're, we're not anti-vax and it was less about vax uh than it was about kind of mindset and choosing things and not shaming people and stuff like that mm -hmm. but i said that i don't think the medical system is very helpful to our goals Mm -hmm. and this one well two groups came out 
overwhelming support came out from people that also question the medical system and have felt pressured to do things they don't want to do or mm-hmm. didn't want to do. And some of these things were damaging to their kids or their family, or at least their role as parents. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden they had a voice and they felt like people said to me, oh, I feel like you put to words this frustration that I've been feeling for a long time. Thank you so much for making this video. Mm-hmm. And I was just expecting to get the smackdown right away. Right. And I was like, oh, wow, like these are our people. And then some doctor, numerous doctors hopped on, but one specifically I remember, and he said, please don't act like you know everything about the medical field. Um, you know, I'm a doctor and we are good people and we care about shit and do the right thing or something like that. And I thought... As of, if he could speak for... Well, yeah. And I... whole... Th- I know, mean, we can't speak for the whole thing either. I'm pretty like, careful about general generalizations. Like, I'm not going to be like, all doctors suck yeah, or something like that. Right. But... I went back and I looked at what I said about the medical system and I was like, you know what? I actually will stand by that. And I'm sorry he got his feelings hurt by that. And I could have like super reached out and apologized and be like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean this or that. But I more accepted this stance that Seth Godin's saying of maybe it's not for you. Mm-hmm. You know, this is going to be if you're if this video pisses you off, I promise you another video is going to piss you off also right. because it's actually less about being anti-doctor and more about giving a voice to the minority. Mm-hmm. And in this case, I feel like the medical community has a ton of backing in our culture. Oh, it's the majority Yeah, in our culture. So Absolutely. I'm not going to use my time and my voice to back it, even though there's yeah. some, I'm not, I don't, I'm not a hater of it, Yeah, but I'm not, it's not what I care about. You know, there's plenty of other people that are going to care about that and, and give that guy what he wants. It's not going to be me. Well, and like, how much money it's like our country with all the hospitals i mean it's like a i don't even know the the correct terminology but it's like a multi-billion dollar industry so it was helpful for me just to let that dude go and be like you know maybe this isn't for you and i'm not ultimately he's going to determine that because he can sub or unsub or like or dislike whatever he does to our videos right um but I don't want to pander to that. Yeah. I feel like you can kind of get lost in the weeds sometimes. And I think earlier on, we definitely did that. Like the first couple years, even. I know I did. Like, And even the last video I did about Is God a Woman, there was one person that commented, I, this sounds like a sermon. I, that's why I disliked this video or something like that. And and I responded back something like, well, I wasn't meaning to talk about a sermon. My intent was more wanting to, to talk about where I've been and where I'm going. And then, but then I think about that. I'm like, maybe I should just let that go. Like, cause if she's going to get, if she's going to think I'm like sermonizing to her, mm. which I, my opinion is laughable to that. I mean, I, I mean, I laughed when I heard that. I was like, I'm not trying to give you a sermon. Yeah. We've heard but, some sermons in our lifetime. That is not a sermon. But, like, she was turned off by something, and I can't really control that. And that's okay. People and are going to get turned off. that's okay, yeah. And I think that, you know, the biggest thing that I think maybe our audience may take away from this doesn't have to do with creating a vlog or podcast. But we've also seen this in relationships. Which I think actually is harder. I yeah. think it's harder to do it in real-life relationships than 
in internet world. Because there's the illusion for some people that like us right now, or at least they like the version of ourselves that we've presented to them, that we have control and that if you say something and they end up not liking it, that it's our fault for not preserving the relationship yeah. or caring about the person <clears throat> or I don't know, something like that. Um, but what I've learned very simply is as long as you're presenting a fake version of yourself to someone, I don't want to say it's a fake relationship, but it's it's one dimensional you're never going to really know if they accept who you really are. Yeah. They're all, all the only thing you can ever know is they accept that version of you. Mm -hmm. So do you really want to surround yourself with people that accept fake versions of you for the rest of your life? And the more risky we've been about sharing the real parts of who we really are. I mean, like let's use one example from this year, going to the nudist resort. That was kind of scary for us to talk about it first because of our past. Right. And of course we got a ton of people that said just the craziest things. Like we were sex driven maniac addicts and left God and are having, uh, uh, you know, just, just all these accusations about why we would do something like that. And very reductionist and simplistic. Um, and we probably lost relationships over it. Um, at least we've lost plenty of relationships over things in the last couple of years. But then there was a few other people that were like, oh my gosh, me too. <laughs> I haven't told anyone, but that's a huge part of my life or something like that. Yeah. And it wasn't until we were honest with who we really were that we created the opportunity for people that are actually like us to be attracted to us because there was space now, but we had to let go of some people that were attracted to the fake us. Mm-hmm. And you can't have both. I don't think like yeah. whatever you present, that's who you're going to attract. So if you're playing a act, you're going to attract people that are attracted to the act. Hmm. Yeah, it's true. So I created this little short, little listy thing called how I know I'm making the right stuff based upon this bravery. And it's very short. There's three things. One is it's what I'm excited about. Okay. Cause there's, there's things I go through and, and when I'm the, the easiest way for me to discuss this once again, is coming up with the vlog content. I think about that vaccination idea or the role of the medical system all the time. I'm so excited to think through those ideas and talk about them. And, but, but I wasn't at all wanting to make a video about it. So I'm like, no, 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 that'll just be stupid. <laughs> mm -hmm. But that kind of shows it took like another layer for me to sit down and be like, what, who am I really? Because very naturally, I think we've been so burned by sharing our real selves. Even as kids, we're almost learned to suppress certain parts of ourselves because they won't be acceptable mm -hmm. that I almost just don't even realize it's a part of me anymore. I'm like, oh no, we don't care about vaccines. Like, yeah, we do. I think about it all the time. Mm -hmm. and the role of medicine and the role of parenthood. Um, so I guess what I would want to know for you guys out there is what excites you? What's the thing that's like, oh, I think about this. I stay up late. I get really excited or I get really angry. Mm -hmm. um, maybe you should be making art about those things. Or maybe you should be talking mm -hmm. to your closest friends or the people who claim they're the closest friends about those things. Yeah, I think... That's the only way it can be 
sustainable for you and I think that's the only way to truly move someone is if you're taking from a passion well within yourself and then presenting it out to the world and and I think it's actually for the person you know the person who's making the art whatever it is I mean I think of yeah I think it's like good for me when I talk about is God a woman and and really laid out there like that was something that was really really that I really care about so and the second two questions are do some people love it and conversely the third question is do some people hate it because what I found is when I'm my best version of myself and I think I'm I'm a bit more of a dividing figure but mm-hmm. you don't have to be as extreme as me but some when I'm my honest self not a, trying to appeal to the masses I find some people fall in love with me and other people hate my guts <laughs> and I think I need to be okay with that and be like oh I'm not for everyone mm-hmm. you know and and really I'm not like who I am is not helpful for some people right now yeah, or ever, yeah. and that's okay. Right. But there's yeah. other people who my life and my stories are going to be helpful to them, mm-hmm. and that's cool. I want to find those people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything else? Nope. Okay. Well, with that, it is time for... The news? Yeah, where's our news thing? Is it you? Yeah. There we go. Lucky. (laughs) Okay. Headline Winnebago Lutheran High School teacher asked to resign for teaching about. You want to guess? I read it. Oh. Female circumcision? Yep. So this teacher is a a Christian school. Um, I do not know what this place is called. I feel like it's in Wisconsin, but it's called Fond du Lac, which sounds like a um, French, a Shrek character. Oh, isn't like Duloc? That's like a castle or something. A <laughs> longtime educator at a Lutheran school in Fond du Lac was told to resign, or he would be terminated for teaching about the global problem of female circumcision in his freshman geography classroom. This uh, is a private. Christian school. Yeah. Okay. So, shocker. Mm -hmm. Daniel Detman resigned from his 24-year teaching position at Winnebago Lutheran Academy on Tuesday. He said he was asked to do so because of his subject matter the school board deemed inappropriate. So, they didn't even give him a warning? They're just like, sorry. Dude, at a place like this, you don't need a warning. It's like... Maybe he already knew his time was... Well, there's like these unwritten rules that it's just like... I know, it just seems so harsh. The dude is 56. He said he had touched on the topic with his students for at least a decade, and no one ever complained about it until now. He was told it offended two female students, as well as a third student, who was not in the classroom but heard about the lesson. The school board told Detman they felt they could no longer trust his ability to pick out subject matter that was in line with the school's and the church's teaching. Yeah. Jeez. What do we just say? It's not for everyone. Yeah, he needs to go find a different job, I guess. Teaching. I hope he can. Man, I can just totally see this, though. Because we get the weirdest 
We get the weirdest comments on YouTube from 13-year-old girls that are like, I'm offended. The latest ones have been on the marathon video that I'm like taking a dump and I take the camera with me into the um, <laughs> porta potty. I was offended. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not for I was everyone. Like, Geez, Maybe it's not for you. Seriously. <laughs> um, but it's like, how does that how could that offend someone? I mean, maybe they say the word clitoris. So then like girls are like, they're, they're taught these body parts are offensive. But what do you do at this point when anyone can decide what's offensive to them mm-hmm. when you're dealing with actually just information? You're not even dealing with morality or persuasion. I mean, I guess it is a moral issue in that it sounded like he was maybe talking about uh, female circumcision in the category of like, hey, this is kind of a global bummer. Mm-hmm. But man, okay. Next news article: hmm. a historic breakthrough for sex workers' rights. New York could become the first state to decriminalize prostitution. Hmm. Is someone taking a shower up there? I don't know. Probably. Why is that so loud? Sorry for that. When, when does the verdict, when will we know if it passes or not? Oh, geez. I don't know. Sometime this year. <laughs> it's about, reading from the article, it's about making sure people who work in the sex trades have access to making a living in the sex industry in a way it's not a crime, mm-hmm. said the member of this committee. Compelling prostitution and promotion of prostitution involving cases of force, intimidation, or minors would remain a crime. Okay, so this is where this is where I feel like conservatives are going to go. They're going to say they're going to jump straight to children mm-hmm. and sex slavery because God, they love that shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're like, oh, you shouldn't look at a Playboy. Why? Mm-hmm. Sex slavery. Oh, you shouldn't masturbate. See, this is why, why? porn's wrong. This is why masturbation is wrong. This is, yeah. Which I am all for doing something that actually ends sex slavery as long as that's possible. But this is a whole other thing, in my opinion. Like, people who try to make a living, adults, consenting adults that try to make a living by, with sex, like, they, what about their protection? Like, no one's talking about that. That's I mean, just an, ex- are, it's but... just an excuse, the, the sex trafficking thing. So I know. I'm just saying, like, okay, if you want to talk about all those people, but what about all these people, you know? That's what I'm saying. It's not – they don't care yeah. about those people. I know. They're, they're prioritizing morality, their perspective of what morality is. Um, yeah. So, yeah, trafficking – so they, they go out of their way to say – trafficking is still not allowed underage sex is still not allowed intimidation or force is still not allowed this doesn't change any of that the new york bill is the most comprehensive sex work decriminalization decriminalization measure in the country um you know where the second place is they're talking about it actually you'll never guess this oh okay Washington DC. No. <laughs> Washington DC. Washington DC. Our capital. Huh. I was gonna actually before you said you'll never guess this, I was gonna say Washington State. Oh, you would have been closer. <laughs> or actually. Oregon. Um, so I guess that New Zealand already did this in two thousand three. 
So oh. it's been kind of the model for this. And I don't know, like, the stats. It doesn't really state them. Hmm. Um, so we wouldn't be the... But the bill actually, or the current law is actually a little crazy, um, I found out. So part of the thing, they're talking about decriminalizing this, which means that one of the things that is allowed currently <clears throat> is, for example, if a house or a place is assigned for lewd persons, landlords can evict sex workers from their places of work or residence um, or decline to rent to sex workers at all. Like if they just find out that they do this on the side or that's their full-time yeah, you, gig. Then you can then basically you can... evict or kick them out. Or, you know, you have these kind of like, um, you know, you can discriminate in mm -hmm. all these ways that are not, you're not allowed to in other ways. Right. Hmm. So I'm trying to um, see if there's anything else. What else is interesting here? Um, I don't know. I like this last line where, so the, it says, rather than viewing sex workers as victims to be spoken for or as symbols of broader social decline, these lawmakers are simply treating sex workers as constituents who are entitled to representation and attention. And... I can totally relate to that. I feel like sex work is put into this almost other category of sub-citizen. It's almost like a criminal. You know, it's like a, I mean. Or people feel sorry for like, especially like women. Who, yeah, they're seen as victims. They're seen as victims or like just like trash. Like, oh, you're kind of, maybe not a criminal, but just like, oh, you're kind of like. Yeah, don't don't let your don't let Susie associate with with Mary because her mom does that. Which I've gone through quite a reformation in the last five or ten years because I used to totally see it that way. But yeah. now I see. I mean, if you want to go that route and say like, oh, they're prostitutes, like, dude, this is America. Everyone's, Everyone's a, prostitute, a prostitute. You know, I mean, <laughs> for we something. all we whore out our time, we whore yeah. out our families, we move across the country for businesses. Like, we do far worse things than give up our genitals for an hour, <laughs> you know, all in the name of money. Yeah. So, insecurity. To me, this is more of an anti sex thing than it is an anti prostitution thing because people sell their souls for the dollar. That's mm -hmm. not a new thing. Mm -hmm. The question is do people have the right to sell their own bodies mm -hmm. for a certain time period? And to me, as long as it's consensual, that's a person's choice. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I used to say, well, I don't even think they should or I wouldn't like it. But now I'm like, if you're at a place where that's your best option, you know, I mean, I, I... Or maybe it's not even bottom of the barrel, but you're just like, I think I'd be good at this. Yeah. Like some people, I mean, it's not, I don't know. I don't know all the ins and outs, but I don't think it's like, it's it actually takes certain personal like if you're more extroverted and most people don't see it that way though most people see it as like a last resort it's like you're a truck That's driver or a like... construction worker and you couldn't do you couldn't make it in college so you ended up there but a big part of why it's seen as a last resort is because of the stigma around it i think that's probably true yeah but you know one of my favorite scenes from a movie is uh les mis mm -hmm. or at least musical that song 
You know, oh, I yeah. They, like, take out her teeth. Yeah. She sells her teeth first, well, she's then a, her hair. She's a hooker, and she's, like... In her body. Prosecuted like crazy, and all she's trying to do is get food for her kids. Yeah, yeah like... She's a total criminal. Like, she's um, treated really bad by her, her clientele, and then the cops come in and treat her even worse. Yeah. Like, it's like, whoa... Final yeah. news story. Oh, this is kind of a good one. Okay, we want to end on a positive note. Brides, this is like a total human interest. Bride's dad stops wedding so stepdad can walk down the aisle too. Like in the actual wedding, he stops and yeah. says like... So he's like walking down the aisle with his daughter. Whoa. And then he's like... And then he's like, hey, bro you you're in this too come on over and then they both walk her down was not to ruin the moment but was the bride okay with all this <laughs> i think so there's a video on i never watched a video but it says okay. when todd bachman's daughter got married last weekend he wanted to make sure that her stepfather was recognized at the wedding in some way after all her stepdad had helped raise her Oh, wow. Okay. So when it came time to walk his daughter Brittany down the aisle, Bachman did something completely unexpected. He stopped the procession, oh. ran to the front row, and grabbed her stepdad in order to share the honor of walking their daughter down the aisle. Hmm. So these pictures of what this looks like. See? Oh, my gosh. Can you guys see that? <laughs> what a, what, I bet that was a tearjerker. He came and grabbed my hand and said, you worked as hard as I have. You'll, have, you'll help us walk our daughter down the aisle. I got weak in the knees and I lost it. Nothing better in my life. The most important moment in my life, said the mm. stepdad. So then the real dad said that he and the stepdad hadn't always gotten along. Mm. The plot thickens. But for me to thank him for all the years of raising our daughter yeah. wouldn't be enough, the biological dad said. Yeah. That was kind of cool, I thought. That was really cool. Yeah, that's... Because you just hear these stories, or at least the, like, common story of, like, divorced families is that it, like, they don't get along. Like, the the, the steps and the whatever. Well, or like you said, what does the bride think? Like, who gives a fuck what the bride thinks? <laughs> fuck the bride. I mean, like, what? Well, it's, like, <coughs> her wedding. Whatever. It's everyone's wedding. I mean, yeah, it is her wedding, but... It's not just this sentimental hallmark thing. I, I guess, yeah. Usually I, weddings are the symbol of like, look how beautiful and together we are. Mm-hmm. When in reality, you have a dad, you have a stepdad, so you have divorce, you have mixed families, you have all these real things. Mm-hmm. And what better Well, I don't know. Like, way to remember a wedding? Maybe the stepdad could have been a total like ass. I'm sure he could have been. And then like the, the daughter's like, whoa, wait a second. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming there's not... <laughs> But, I'm taking the story at face value. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, it's the daughter's wedding, but this is cool. Like, no, it is cool. I would want to have a dad or a parent that really, like, had principles like this mm-hmm. that was willing to kind of, like, shape. You know, I don't have a feeling like he's stealing the limelight for himself. No. I mean, I think it's cool that he, like, very tangibly was trying to show and show a recognition of what the stepdad represented i thought that that is cool yeah that is very cool okay now 
it is time for the phone calls. You want to hold that one down, yep. A? Hello, Ben and Kenny. This is Kelsey calling from Minnesota again. I just listened to your podcast this morning. I enjoy getting up Monday mornings early before my kids wake up and and listen to your podcast. So um, I wanted to ask a question about how you two decided to go to therapy or counseling, whatever you want to call it, because I'm trying to nudge, gently nudge my mother to get some counseling. She's having some communication issues with her husband and my father. That sounds weird to say. Um, and, you know, it's not something that I can solve for her. I know that. And I know sometimes I can tell her things that she doesn't want to hear or like she already knows the answer that's inside her. She just doesn't want to make it because like you say, like you said in that podcast, making that decision to um, like make a choice that's going to be painful is scary knowing that the pain that you're in right now is so comfortable to you and, and familiar. So yeah, I'm just wondering how you guys decided that. Did, was it, did one of you bring it up or did you one have to convince the other? So, yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Cool. Yeah, that's, man. We have funny stories about getting people to therapy. <laughs> and when I say funny, it usually doesn't work oh, well. Yeah. Oh, when yeah. You, I didn't think about that. Like, in our experience, well, I guess to first answer your first question, we both, I think we both wanted Yes. So I went, first of all, therapy was a little bit, I was skeptical about it just because of how much it cost. And I wasn't sure if we'd find the right guy, but I'm not, I was never opposed to getting that type of help. But when I found this guy and this will come into my answer, but I loved it. I mean, I was like, I was learning so much. So then I came home and I told Cammy, I was like, Cammy, <laughs> check out what this guy is saying. It is so cool. Yeah. And you know, there was, I just modeled what it was like to learn and be excited about that. And Cammie really was excited to go the first time. She mm -hmm. wasn't dreading it. Yeah. But, but I found it's really hard to get someone to want to go, especially if you haven't gone yourself. Because, you know, going to therapy is a scary thing for a lot of people because it, it seems to mean like it's admitting some sort of less than. It's also like open heart surgery. It's like, all right. Like, I'm going so that you can open me up and the things that I don't really want to face, like, now I have to face. Well, but it's seen in a close, <clears throat> in a social class system, it puts you at a lower level than most people. I think people think. They're like, That's what, yeah. oh, I had to go to therapy or I've been going to counseling. Yeah. It's it's like almost like you're so jacked up that right. you have to. So if you're in a <laughs> system where, like, for example, Kelsey, the person who's leaving the message, you don't think you need therapy, but then you're saying your mom needs therapy reading between the lines the message there's one message which is like oh you're cool and i want you to get help but the other message you're almost saying is and i don't need it not on purpose but i think that's what kind of comes across if, if you yourself haven't done therapy mm -hmm. and that's where you and i didn't have that because i was in it and i was like this is great yeah but then the, <clears throat> the other thing that actually happened to us like which is kind of story of our life basically 
is we were so pumped and jazzed and we thought everyone would be pumped and jazzed, right? If they only knew about therapy. Yeah, so like, okay, let's let's see. Um, we have some extra money. Um, who who do you think needs this? Or yeah, <clears throat> and we kind of made that mistake of th- just presuming that everyone would be as into this as we are. That everyone wanted help. Yeah, or we're at a stage in their life that they were ready for that, and. And so we had some failed attempts of, you know, we got people to therapy and it was just like pretty evident that they were not there for themselves. And if you're not there for yourself, mm-hmm. if you don't want help, yeah, it's not going to be helpful. You're right. So there's two things I would suggest. One is you try it yourself and you start telling <clears throat> firsthand testimonies if it actually is something you're excited about. Or the second is you can drop hints and seeds. Like if someone actually doesn't know that that option exists and, but they're actually looking for help and they just mm-hmm. don't know about that option. And you could say, Oh man, I just found out about this thing that I think might interest you. But I think you might know pretty quick if they actually are looking for help or if they're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. You know? So hope that helps. Hi, Ben and Cammy. This is Faith from Los Angeles. I really enjoyed your last podcast where you talked about some of the insights you guys have gained from uh, your time in in therapy and um, how that enabled you to relate to your kids differently. And um, yeah, I I really liked how you guys shared about what you're getting out of it. Um, So my question was along those lines. Um, I wondered that now that you realize that you have feelings and that your feelings are um, indicative of various things that are going on with yourself, um, given that, I wonder if you find now that you make decisions differently or if you've also found that you're possibly less agreeable because you know what you think and what you like. So I wondered if maybe you make decisions differently or you might go along less with what other people are suggesting or doing. Anyway, would love to hear your thoughts on that. Thanks for taking my question. That's a great question. Hmm. Yes, I could say Cammy is definitely less agreeable now <laughs> than she used to be. Oh my gosh, Cammy used to be the easiest person on the planet. She agreed with everything I said, and it was amazing. And it was boring. It was awesome. <laughs> and now she has all these opinions about all sorts of things. Now I'm like, wait a second. My opinion is just as valuable as Ben's, if not more. <laughs> had... Well, you knew that. Well, I, I don't know if you knew that. No, but I don't. You think... didn't going to step back. You didn't even. You didn't even have opinions. Yeah, there was not knowing I had them, and then once I knew I had them, it, <clears throat> then there was another hoop to jump through, which was these are valuable to share. Yeah. Well, Faith's question specifically was, are there feelings that you, now that you know that you're aware that you even have them, is it kind of a more of a pain in the ass? Hmm. And yeah, for me, it definitely is. I mean, there's this simplicity when you're unaware of these things where you just like kind of know the answers and you get used to these certain dynamics. Yeah. And you just go for it. And then all of a sudden I start finding out, oh, I'm doing this because I'm afraid. Yeah. Or I'm doing this because I'm disappointed. Who wants to say that they're afraid? I mean, at least which male yeah. wants to admit that you're scared? Yeah. I mean, so to all of a sudden have that in my brain mm-hmm. 
that you um, you're like, oh, now I need to honor this feeling. Otherwise, it's just you know, like if you just ignore it, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to, but you know it. Yeah, you you know it's a conscious choice now. If you want to ignore it before, you just weren't aware of right. it. Right. Yeah. Um, for me, I would say it's actually similar. Um, I'm more aware of my feelings now. So in some ways, it's kind of a pain in the ass to be like, okay, I got to bring this up on Tuesday morning because this really bothers me and I don't uh, want to do this anymore. And so I need to talk through this with Ben and I need to fight for myself. Like it, But then on the other hand, too, for me, I actually do feel more liberated. Like I feel like... I think for so much of my life, I, I went through life with this victim mentality of like, oh, if I don't like something, there's nothing I can do about it. And now I'm like, oh yeah, there's stuff I can do about it. And it's kind of a pain in the ass to have to deal with it. But then I'm so glad I have the tools to be able to deal with it. Even now. you not having an opinion is you making the choice to not have an opinion. Oh, That's yeah. That's how you start to see it. Whereas before, yeah. you just felt like I'm getting drug along in this thing called life. Right. And it's not my fault, you know, that whatever. And, and while it has been an incredible pain in the ass for Cammy to have all these opinions <laughs> nowadays, I will say this. It is so much better it's so much more worth it to be able to one know who she really is and even was deep down Mm -hmm. and two it makes life so much more interesting you know it, it was easier before it was simpler before but i hear stories of people having affairs and getting divorced be you know, or zoning out, checking out in their marriage. I think because a lot of times like life gets boring, like survival is easy in our country, but this challenge of, of digging and uncovering each other's true self and watching Cam, I mean, she has this tattoo on her shoulder that you can see of this butterfly coming out of a cocoon, you know, getting like reborn Mm -hmm. in a pretty graphic, difficult way is, tough but it's it's never boring our life has not been boring it has been hard but it's been so good and there's been a whole nother list of benefits of like depth in our relationship that have come from navigating these feelings and coming to figure out how they fit into the larger picture and not only that when we accept them and acknowledge them in ourselves we also come to accept them, acknowledge them in our children. So that's a whole nother realm. I think a lot of parenting is pretty boring. You're just like putting up with your kids and mm-hmm. you're like driving them to soccer and you're dealing with shitty teenagers is how a lot of people see it. But for us, as we've come to accept the complexity of our emotion and we can see the complexity of the kid's emotion and see ourselves in them, these same emotions, parenting is challenging. It's hard, but it's wor- it's been worth it it's been better than checking. It's never been boring. Mm -hmm. So one other feeling that's come up besides like fear and and this is for myself. I've come to grips with some of my preferences. There's people that I don't like. Mm -hmm. And I used to feel guilty saying that. And, and we've had all sorts of spiritual people say things to us about why they won't hang out with us. And it's always spiritual. It's like, Oh, well, I don't feel called to you. Or like, oh, like, well, we think you're, you have sin in your life or all these like spiritual terms. And it took us a long time to realize what they're really 
what they really believe is they don't like us, but they can't say that because they're not in touch with those feelings and they don't give any credence or acknowledgement or power to those feelings. So they have to come up with all these alternate like spiritual mumbo jumbo reasons to explain their actions. But the problem with that is you can't own that. You know, you're like, oh, that's the code. I'm following the code. Whereas for me, one of the complications I've run into is to be like, oh, you know, going to that family's house like every Christmas, like that actually has made me miserable for the last 15 years. I don't really like being miserable. <laughs> that hasn't been worth it for me. Yeah. So I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to feel okay about that. Like that was a tough call at first. Now I love my Christmases though. <laughs> so I think it's been worth it. Yeah. Maybe that's a bad example. Maybe some of you should still go to your parents' house on Christmas. It's your example. That's it. that's it's it. not bad. Okay. That is all for today, folks. That yeah. is wrapping up episode 43. Um, how do we do, Robin? We didn't just do the news, <laughs> which I don't like just doing the news either, but... Okay, well, thanks, guys. Um, If you want to donate any money to our chair fund, if you have found this podcast beneficial enough to pony up a few dollars, we appreciate it. If not, keep on listening. It's a free product for you, not for us, because our ass is hurt. But this is available on iTunes, where we have 19 reviews, average four and a half stars. Yay. Dang, I always do it. It's right next to each other. But, and you guys did not have to get crickets today because of Kelsey and Faith. And Faith has like four messages backlogged, so that saves you guys' oh, asses wow. for a little while. But do not sit back on your laurels and relax. Call with questions or comments at 206-651-5744. I'm going to put a link to this book in the... Um... Oh my gosh, my tooth. I'm like out of it right now. Show notes? Go yeah, saying? show notes. Um, is there any other links in the show notes? The phone number will be there and all the standard stuff. Oh. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to Fight for Together. We'll see you next time.